Welcome and thanks for joining us. My name is Samanwar Sesha, Director of the Museum of Colour and your host for this series, My Words Donations. As part of the My Words exhibition at the Museum of Colour, we have invited a number of poets to donate objects to our digital collection. These are items that have a real significance to them and their creative journeys. This series is a chance to hear the stories behind those donations. And coming up, we'll be talking with Pascal Petit. My name is Pascal Petit. I was born in Paris, grew up in France and Wales. I live in Cornwall, just under Bodmin Moor. I'm of French, Welsh and Indian heritage. I was brought up by my Indian grandmother in mid Wales. I trained as a sculptor at the Royal College of Art and spent the first part of my life as a practicing sculptor. I'm a poet and I'm working on my debut novel. I also work as a mentor for emerging poets, particularly poets of colour. I've long believed that they bring a different perspective and heritage to British poetry that enriches it and is actually in the process of creating a renaissance at the moment, but need encouragement and to feel included. Hearing you say that just makes me beam inside because that's exactly why I wanted to build the museum, just because of the fact that there are poets who nobody will know about who are changing our understanding of what poetry is. And I think it's important that we do know who these people are and that future generations know who they were. What I do want to ask you now is how you would actually describe your poetry. (laughs) Well, I've published eight poetry collections so far. I'm working on my ninth My last two collections were Mama Amazonica and Tiger Girl, both published by Blood Axe. So how would I describe them? I I do write about very traumatic family relations, but I also place them in wilderness, in the wilds of the planet, Mama Amazonica is set in the Amazon rainforest and also in a psychiatric ward and is about my mentally ill mother. Tiger Girl is set in the tiger forests of central India and features my Indian grandmother, who was the force of good in my childhood. And during lockdowns, of course, I couldn't travel And so I've been writing poems about my local wilderness, which is Bodmin Moor, and also my childhood uh, wildernesses in in the south of France, which are the coarse, the limestone moors. So maybe that describes my poetry to a certain extent. Yes, as much as you can, because I think for listeners, I hope you will read some of Pascal's work because the power is absolutely in the words on the page. So when did you know yourself to be a poet? She talked about being a sculptor before. Mm. So when did you realise you are a poet as well? I don't actually know myself to be a poet. I hope that I'm one. 
because when I was at school, I heard Keats Ode to a Nightingale, and I was an extremely withdrawn teenager and child, and it was like meeting a friend. The organic quality of the poem, it was just like someone who inhabited a world that I wanted to go to and be in. So for a long time, I tried to be a poet. Even when I was practicing sculpture, I was making kind of books to be shown with my sculptures at art school. And then I think what really happened was that I had quite a hard time with making the sculptures. I had an exhibition called Pandora's Box, which was one of the very first feminist exhibitions that toured the country. And after that, I'd had 10 years between my BA and my MA. I went to the Royal College of Art. And because I'd been a feminist artist, I, I would say I had a hard time there. So I got discouraged, basically. And eventually, I gave up. But when I say I gave up, I think I started to make my sculptures in my poems. And it was only when I'd given up making actual objects that I found that my poetry started to improve and started to get somewhere. I think it was because before then, if I was having a hard time writing a poem, I would stop and think, okay, never mind, I can be a sculptor. <laughs> you know, So I would be my other self and I would just do one at a time usually. And so I'd do that for about a year. But I've since discovered that those difficulties when you're writing a poem are what actually leads to the good poems or the more than good poems. Uh, it's battling through those blocks and difficulties that the imagination is trying to find a new way of writing something. So I, I think that's what happened, that I couldn't turn to being a sculptor. I had to persist. I had to persist with the poem. Yeah, you worked, you worked through it and found the joy. Oh, that's beautiful. So, Pascal, you talked about the fact that you also do some mentoring. Can you tell us a little bit about that element of your work? Mm, yes. Um, originally, I, I was poetry editor for Poetry London for 15 years when it started out. And when I was an editor, I, I noticed that poets from other heritages uh, or had, who had combined heritages, I actually, <laughs> I just found their poems more exciting, more interesting. And so I encouraged those when I was an editor. And then eventually that led to me doing tutoring and mentoring. I was one of the founders with Mimi Calvati of the Poetry School. And all along, I, I have noticed this progression that although these poets are so exciting, they themselves didn't have much visibility and also didn't really get encouraged and worse, didn't even think that they should, for example, send their poems to the big magazines. I mean, I always have to do a lot of pushing and encouraging to, to say, really, you know, I, I'm sure these editors would really love this work. 
And sometimes I've discovered there's a whole collection of, of amazing poems that make me think of someone like Shakespeare. And this person hasn't dared to send them out to magazines, never mind the good magazines. And I, I just think there's, there's something wrong there. And it's very rewarding and great fun to see them doing well. And, you know, and, and then to be able to claim some reflected glory of having helped uh, mentored for each cohort of the complete works, for example. Can I just say, because listeners may not know what the complete works are, so can you just say exactly what those two volumes are? So the complete works, which was directed by Natalie Teitler, were three cohorts of mentoring, really, and profiling of 10 poets of colour over a year or two years. The first time it was two years, then one year. And Natalie really looked after them and helped to, um, well, what can I say? I mean, most of them have now won major prizes and have changed the culture of poetry in Britain. So... Brilliant. Thank you. I just wanted to ensure that people would know sort of when we refer to the complete works, you know, I think most of us think of uh, Shakespeare or mm. something like this. But mm. this, was, this was a significant happening in poetry. Yeah. And the, the poets who emerged are yes. poets who people know. Yeah. And, I, I, yeah. and of course, it, the idea was by Bernadine Evaristo, who had done researchers for the Arts Council and saw just how ridiculously low the the amount of, of poets of colour that were published, you know. I mean, they, they were just shunted in, into the performance scene, which also was just a, a silly division. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for that. So we've asked you to donate two objects to the Museum of Colour. But just before you do that, I'm also interested in your relationship with museums. So what's your relationship with museums and how does it feel to be in one? Well, thank you so much for nominating me and including me. It feels like a great honour and in, in such an important museum that's doing crucial work recording this process that artists of colour and what's happening at the moment, the greater visibility that's slowly happening. So yes, that, it's fantastic to be included in that family. I love museums generally, and when I'm in a city, I always go to museums. I get poems from going to them. I have favourites, and one of my favourites is in Paris. It's the Musée de la Chasse et de la Nature. So it's basically the Nature Museum, which has contemporary exhibitions. And so that's given me a lot of poems. Lovely. Oh, that sounds like it's worth a visit. So, okay, let's get to your donations. Tell us about your first donation, what it is, what it means to you, and why you want to share it. Ah, yeah, this was really like wonderful to be asked um, to donate objects because objects are so important to me. 
obviously, as an ex-sculptor. Well, I, I think I've chosen a, a quite a strange object for my first one. It's called a cardabel in France. It's an absolutely giant thistle. The flower itself is about seven inches across. It doesn't have a stem, so it grows straight from the ground on these limestone moors that have huge caves inside them as well. So the cardabel grows in this area in the Languedoc in France, which is where I spent my childhood summers when I was a child with my mother. And I wasn't brought up by my mother very much. So it was really where I got to know her before she became very seriously mentally ill. I just want to describe the flower a bit more. It's yellow and it has all these thousands of seeds that parachute out of it, still leaving it yellow. It has obviously uh, thistly petals and it has a tiny neck, which is like a queen's ruff, and it's all made of thorns. So it's like a queen flower. And it's almost like it's an eye of the earth. I think that's how I see it. What made you want to donate this particular piece? It sounds visually striking, but what made you want to donate this? Is it the relationship with your mother and the place it reminds you of? Mm, mm. It's it's a kind of difficult flower because it's so prickly, it hurts to hold it, in fact. And it's almost as if it's like the nucleus of a landscape. And for me, I think one of the reasons why I write about wilderness and ecologically is because the way that male power or white power is abused over peoples who have less power. So I, I, I see the way that we treat the earth, even her uncomfortable places. This is an uncomfortable flower. So it's, it's a kind of symbol of a powerful flower, but quite fragile. I mean, they are protected as well. So it's that link between the earth being vulnerable and at the same time powerful powerful and fragile i love that um so thank you for that and let's talk about your second object what is it and why did you want to share it tell us so my second object is also a plant it's a box of ghost leaves so ghost leaves are skeletonized dried leaves from the people tree or the ficus religiosa in India. Some specimens of this tree are over 3,000 years old. I've had this box of the ghost leaves for over 30 years since when I was a sculptor. I wanted to make a sculpture from it, but somehow that didn't work out. So then I tried to write a poem, which is called Ghost Leaves, in my very first collection, Heart of a Deer. And they pop up in various books, these leaves. They, they fascinate me. They remind me of my Indian grandmother, as I said, who brought me up and who was a force for good for me. And yet there's something, I mean, they're dried and they're pale and they too are, are really fragile, but actually 
they don't break that easily. So you see the whole vein structure of the leaf and they're transparent. So they are ghosts of something that's gone or is going. And they also appear in my poem, Jaguar Girl, which I'm going to read later in Mama Amazonica. Thank you for that, Pascal. So we're on to your poem. So which poem have you chosen to donate and why? I'm donating my poem Jaguar Girl, which is from my seventh collection, Mama Amazonica, published by Blood Axe in 2017. It's set in the Amazon rainforest and a psychiatric ward. It features a jaguar who is also my mother. So why have I donated it? Because it's the Amazon rainforest and it's also a woman who was raped and abused and became mentally ill. And in the book and in this poem, they merge and become the same thing. So I suppose it's a poem about abuse of power and the beauty despite that. Jaguar girl, her gaze is tipped with curare. Her face, farouche from the kids' asylum where ice baths failed to tame her. Her claws are crescent moons sharpened on lightning. She swims through the star splinters of a mirror and emerges snarling, my weir mama. She's a rainforest in a straitjacket. Where she leaps, the sky comes alive, unleashed from its bottle. My mother trying to conceal her lithium tremor as she carries the Amazon on her back. Her rosettes of rivers and oxbow lakes, her clouds of chattering caciques, her flocks of archangels. Her own tongue is a hive that stings, yet pollinates all the orchids of the forest. Her ears prick to the growl of roots under concrete, the purr of plants growing. My animal mother, shaman's bitch, a highway bulldozed through her brain. Shapeshifter into a trembling rabbit whenever I'm scared of her. She who has had electric eels pressed to her scalp can vanish into backwards where no one can reach her. I'm trying to sew her back together, to make a patchwork of gold dust and ghost vines, a sylvan pelt of torn down trees, the shadow dance of leaves on litter. I'm trying to conjure her in her zoo cage, as the doctor comes running to dart her. Thank you to Pascal Petit for being part of our exhibition and donating to the Museum of Colour. 
To view the donations photographed by Sharon Wallace and the portraits by Derek Kakembo, head to www.museumofcolour.org.uk where you can explore the rest of the My Words exhibition and discover our growing digital collection. My Words Donations is presented by me, Sam Sasha, and is produced by Stella Sabin for the Museum of Colour. Further episodes of this series are available across all podcast platforms where you can also listen to our previous project, Respect Due. The music you have heard in this series is by the fabulous Randolph Matthews. You can listen to more of his work at www.randolphmatthews.com. My Words is supported by the National Lottery Heritage Fund, Arts Council England and the Foyle Foundation. Museum of Colour is incubated at People's Palace Projects, based at Queen Mary University, London. Thank you for listening. <laughs>